All right, as promised, in our second segment now, we're going to go to New Hampshire and speak with presidential candidate John Buchanan. He's not a politician. He's, in fact, a journalist, and he's running against George W. Bush in New Hampshire. John Buchanan, welcome to Radio Parallax. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, you're not well-known. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and what prompted your political challenge to the Bush administration? I uh, have been a uh, journalist and investigative reporter for 33 years and worked in New York, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Maine, and now Miami. And uh, on September the 17th of last year, uh, I became the first journalist in U.S. history to go to the National Archives and Library of Congress in Washington and leave with recently declassified documents that prove beyond a doubt that Prescott Bush, the grandfather of this president, and George Herbert Walker, his maternal great-grandfather, were de facto money launderers and U.S. private bankers for the financier of Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich, whose name was Fritz Thiessen. It's spelled T-H-Y-S-S-E-N, but pronounced Thiessen. And that well, that's quite that's quite a stunning. Uh, I mean, I've heard talk about uh, trading Prescott Bush associated with the violations of the Trading of the Enemy Act. Well, what exactly did you find in the, in the archives? I, 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 some, some of the documentation uh, w which dealt with those five seizures of Union Banking Corporation and the other four companies that are well well reported on the Internet at sites like TakeBackTheMedia.com and BuzzFlash.com. On those particular seizures under the Trading with the Enemy Act, which were the five primary Nazi front businesses, and Union Banking had been founded in 1924 by George Herbert Walker and uh, W. Averill Harriman, the former governor of New York State. Uh, I should mention, by the way, Har Harriman is associated more with the Democrats. Correct. That's right. The Harrimans were Democrats, the Bushes were Republicans, uh -huh. and the war profiteering, just as it does today, cut across party lines. Thank <laughs> uh -huh. you for noticing. Absolutely. But the second story, which was titled uh, Bush-Nazi Dealings Continued Until 1951, I was the first journalist to ever report on. And with regard to the first story, I had uh, only essentially re-reported and confirmed by seeing the actual documents what it was not only well known on the internet but had been reported in the book George H.W. Bush The Unauthorized Biography in 1992 by Webster Tarpley and Anton Chaikin. The problem with that book was that number one they were funded by Lyndon LaRouche so they, they, they were looked upon as kooks and because they technically weren't journalists they wrote what was obviously a biased anti-Bush family book which further discredited them right. my reporting because I'm a classically trained journalist was absolutely transparent and simply reported and quoted from the documents themselves and those articles appeared uh, strangely enough, by coincidence, considering where I am now, in the New Hampshire Gazette, which happens to be the oldest newspaper in America and gave Samuel Adams his first byline in 1757, before there was a constitution. Mm -hmm. And in turn, Associated Press then reported the story around the world, and it ran the weekend of October 18th and 19th on six continents, the Moscow Times, Guardian of London, Hindustan Times in India, Sydney Morning Herald in Australia, and many others, as well as uh, a number of major papers in the U.S. The problem is, or was, that to this day, the New York Times, 
Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, and Miami Herald literally refused to acknowledge my reporting or the documents. Well, it's it's an old story. You found a new wrinkle. Uh, you found some new evidence that uh, that firms this up. I, I certainly have uh, heard about this for many years. I'm shocked, actually, by how many people, especially in Europe, have been intimately familiar with it for probably at least a decade, and there are some living human beings that have apparently been familiar with it since the end of World War II, and a couple of those people are like retired college professors in Poland and stuff. What current allegations do you have against uh, against the man you're running against, George W. Bush? Well, and let me let me connect the two dots very quickly, just so you understand how I got into the race. First of all, and that okay. leads to that follow-up answer. But uh, as a result of the Bush Nazi documents, strangely enough, I received a call on Monday. October the 13th from a Republican living legend. His name is John McConnell, and he's the 88-year-old founder of Earth Day and the Minute for Peace in 1963 that ended the official mourning period for JFK. And actually, I didn't even know who he was the first day, and he called me up as a result of having read the first article, and he said, I have a sense that, this was almost word for word, he said, you're a man of rare courage and conviction, and I have a real sense that you could change the world for the better, would you consider running for president? And I didn't know who he was, so I said, well, Mr. McConnell, that's very gratifying, but I have no interest in being elected to any kind of public office. I am, you know, a very free-spirited person. I have a very easy, simple life here in Miami, but what I would be interested in doing is writing a platform with you for a new third party that would bring, you know, peace, justice, and care of the planet to this earth, which you say are your big issues. And in the follow-up conversations, I learned that not only had he known 33 Nobel Prize winners in his lifetime, but in fact had been called by Utant, the uh, former Secretary General of the UN in the early 1960s, one of the great peacemakers of the 20th century. And once I knew who he was, I still declined to run for office, but was working on the platform with him. And then what happened on November 11th was that I was approached by a group that included a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, a Muslim, a Jew, and a Christian, and asked for, to run for president against him directly as a Republican, and I agreed to do so that day. Right. And then I became a Republican. I had been a lifelong Democrat, so I, re I voted for Al Gore in 2000. And I became a Republican eight weeks ago, whatever it is, and uh -huh. I came up here to run as the so-called truth candidate, as a working journalist, not as a politician, and also, by the way, not as the Bush Nazi journalist, because I was concerned that if I made speeches about the family's Nazi past, it would look like I was trying to smear this president, who certainly cannot be held accountable for what his grandfather did, just as you would not want to be and I would not want to be. So I came up here as the truth candidate about jobs and the economy and foreign policy and whatever, and then I was further drafted uh, by a group including uh, Ellen Mariani, the 911 widow who is suing yes. uh, the White House about 911, and I have now become the 911 truth candidate. And as of today, uh, I am making uh, radio appearances all day long accusing George W. Bush of treason 
for his foreknowledge of the events of 9-1-1. Let's talk about that. That's a very, very uh, controversial, very interesting claim you're making about the Bush administration. Not, not, not you alone. Many have made this. In a speech to the Manchester in Manchester, New Hampshire, to some of your supporters, you said that the neoconservatives and associates of the Project for a New American Century wanted a new Pearl Harbor. Uh, and so what evidence do you have that, that 9-11 was, in essence, a new Pearl Harbor? That's actually one of the more easy things to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt because we're talking about a matter of public record. So it rises to a courtroom standard okay. for trial for treason. Uh, what your listeners and you will be shocked to learn, if you don't already know it, is that a neocon right-wing think tank known as Project for the New American Century, also known as PNAC, drafted a report called Rebuilding America's Defenses, and which is an interesting concept in and of itself, by the way, since, since the collapse of the Soviet Union, I wouldn't have thought we needed to rebuild our defenses, but nevertheless, that was the title of it. And what it called for was the invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq, and it called for those invasions and, and regime change f to protect our oil interests because oil, the known oil reserves in the world, as I'm sure your listeners know, will have been essentially depleted by 2034 or thereabouts. We should uh, also we should also inject uh, the I believe what what is the time frame you have on this assertion from PNAC? They they were proposing this I believe actually during the waning days of the Clinton administration, were they not? Correct. Not, not only that, but it was worked on for about two years, and it was published on September 1st, 2000, before George Bush ever got elected, number one. And even more chilling, number two, the signatories of the cover letter included Dick Cheney, Paul Wolfowitz, and Richard Pearl. So the report clearly states and says that because the American people will not have the will to invade two countries and topple their governments for oil interests per se, we need a galvanizing incident on the order of Pearl Harbor. And one year and ten days later, we got 911. And if any of your listeners suggest or think that that could be a coincidence, I think that they shouldn't ever buy another lottery ticket, if you know what I mean. Do you have any, do you have any websites you would refer people to for more information on this exact topic? Absolutely. Well, okay. First of all, there's fairly extensive information on my own website and, and links, and that's www.johnbuchanan.org. And by far the most troubling website that is a comprehensive resource unto itself from which I have approximately 700 pages of timelines and other documents is www.cooperativeresearch.com. And you can find the PNAC report uh, by Googling uh Project for New American Century report, and you can download it and print it out. It's about 84 pages long. Well, I think some of our listeners will probably want to do that. What would you stop first among uh, the current goings-on in this country if you uh, had that ability? Number one, I will end the corporate stranglehold on government and politics, period. That sounds like a sound bite and could be hot air if I did not have a specific plan for doing that that I was well counseled on with university professors of economics and business. Number one, I will, I will ban political action committees. They are gone. Uh, 
Okay. Number two, I'll make it illegal for any corporation or business entity to be involved in any way in any matter of politics. And by far the most important point, number three, which overnight would transform government and give it back to we the people, I will outlaw and ban professional lobbying. If you want to lobby as a citizen, you ride the bus or you walk, or if you can afford a plane ticket, you fly to Washington or to your state house or to your city hall, and you lobby as a citizen. But you cannot make 5 or 7 or $12 million a year doing it when you clearly in every instance represent the Fortune 100 or the Fortune 500 as transnational corporations against the American people. Okay. Number two, All right. I'll end war profiteering by former government officials and Washington insiders, and the way that I would do that is two points. Number one, every defense and aerospace contract must be absolutely transparent so that every taxpayer has the right to examine the contract and know where every penny went. If something is a matter of classified information, which is obviously an issue, I will create a new subcommittee in both houses of Congress to do nothing but oversee on behalf of the people defense and aerospace contracts. Number two, I will make it illegal for any former government official at any level to serve in a for-profit or for-salary or for-consulting fee arrangement in any defense contractor or aerospace company for a period of 10 years after they leave government. And number three, I'll form a Citizens Defense Oversight Board that includes defense CEOs, trade journalists, academicians, scientists, and private citizens in proper proportion to represent the full spectrum of U.S. society in administering our defense policy on a dollar and cent basis and open information basis. Number three... I will hold corporations fully accountable for their actions, and the solution that I came up with to white-collar crime and the next Enron is that I had, uh, again, academicians and college professors and constitutional lawyers research what could be done. And it turns out that corporations have no constitutional rights. Only citizens do. So my platform plank for ending corporate crime overnight is that in my administration, if you are guilty of a corporate crime, I will lead the way to revoke your corporate charter in the state where you are incorporated and will hope that the state government of the state of Delaware or wherever you incorporated will in fact cooperate so that not only will the top executives go to prison, but your corporation will vanish from the earth. And by far the most important, and number four, and finally, I will reform the media so that fair and balanced reporting is not a cheap trademark slogan for Fox News. Yeah. It is the mandated law of the land, and in order to do that, I will re reinstate a more updated version of the FCC Fairness Doctrine, and I'm also proposing that television stations around the country replace what's called prime access between 7 and 8 p.m. and replace Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune with legitimate local programming that covers social issues like racism, anti-Semitism, religious and ethnic tensions, class divisions, so on and so forth. 
and because I used to own an advertising agency and I have no problem with television stations making profit, I would even be comfortable with their restructuring their ad rates to the Fortune 500 so that the public gets the benefit of that hour of community broadcasting at a very high level without anybody suffering economically. I would like to point out for our listeners that uh, incumbent presidents are seldom challenged to uh, such things as your what you're doing running against him currently in uh, in New Hampshire. In 1968, however, Senator Eugene McCarthy stood up to incumbent Lyndon Johnson and changed American politics. Indeed, he did. As a matter of fact, the the first political website, which is www.politics1.com, that posted the first piece that took me seriously positioned me as the Eugene McCarthy of my time because Eugene McCarthy was a hero of mine because I was 17 at the time and because of his activism after Bobby Kennedy was assassinated I became an anti-Vietnam War activist from 1970 when I moved to New York until the end of the Vietnam War and I literally believe history is about to repeat itself because a gentleman named Darcy Richardson from Florida who just literally wrote the book on the 68 New Hampshire primary is now a member of my campaign team and one of my insider advisors and has FedExed me a copy of his book and is trying to come up here this weekend to be with me for the final 72 hours and he's already driven one president from office by (laughs) having him challenged within his own party and if your listeners will go to my website at www.johnbuchanan.org and read the Bush Nazi articles and get involved for the next week and either come to New Hampshire to volunteer for me or call anyone they know in New Hampshire. We can take this country back next Tuesday, and I don't necessarily know that I can get elected president, but I damn well know that I can force a global debate of how the United States can reshape itself in the post Bush era because he has wrecked everything this country stands for, not the least of which is the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And I ask that we the people have confidence that this country does belong to us and not to the transnational corporations. And if you do believe that, Call your local radio stations and TV stations and newspapers in my name and say you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore. And George Bush and Karl Rove will be sent back to Crawford in disgrace one way or another. Well, we wish you well in New Hampshire. John Buchanan, thanks again. Thank you so much and please keep the faith and thank you very, very much for having me on. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax, and this is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.